We are barreling towards one year of lockdowns, COVID deaths, crazy politics, and questionable federal financial policy. Thousands of African Americans have died. Our life expectancy has dropped by almost three freaking years. And no, COVID isn't just like the freaking flu. During the midst of us living through historic times, there are some financial truths and lessons that I've learned. I'm sharing 17 or maybe 18 financial truths and lessons in today's episode because things have gotten real, plus a couple of bonus tips at the end. In order to go to the show notes, you'll go to michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash financial lessons. Again, it's michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash financial lessons. people that will listen to this episode and leave it thinking that I'm an alarmist. I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) Uh, However, I do think it's a moral duty for me to bring up some of these financial lessons that I've learned during the past year. So here we go. Always, always, always have a financial plan B. Ask yourself the following questions. If I'm unable to work due to weather disasters like last week's snowpocalypse in Texas, what will I do? Are you in denial about the frequency of black swan events and their potential to hurt you? And in case you are wondering what's a black swan event, it's it's an event such as the snowpocalypse in Texas or COVID or 9-11 or when the housing market Busted. Basically, this event of massive magnitude that has a major ripple effect. However, those events could be specific to your life too. So it could be a car accident. It could be that you get sick. My point is black swan events happen. Are you in denial about it? Have you sat down and prepared your finances in the event of a disaster? I've really come to realize that I need to sit down and kind of look at everything yet again and do a deep dive into my finances. I can make money, like that's not an issue, but if I had to run out of my house today, it's not as clear as I think it needs to be what documents I need to run out of the house with, just what I need to be aware of before I get out. So that is actually something that I'm gonna be spending some time on and then revisiting yearly. The government never moves at the pace you need it to for stimulus checks, government assistance, emergency assistance, it doesn't matter. Governments move slowly inherently because there are systems within government to make them move slowly. So I keep seeing comments on Twitter because I spend a lot of time on Twitter where people are like, it's been four weeks. Why? Where's our stimmy? And I'm like, President Biden hasn't even gotten all his cabinet members in place. This guy's still onboarding. And so even though they are moving quickly, I don't think we all have an understanding of how quickly anyone in that position can move, especially a new president. Even previous presidents, 
they it would take time for them to do whatever it is they're going to do. So I just have a realistic understanding of the pace that government moves at. Until the ink is dry, it's not real. <laughs> it's not real. And by this, what I mean is I was freaked out and alarmed a couple of weeks ago when I read a post in one of the financial Facebook groups that I belong to. A person was actually making financial decisions based on the alleged $50,000 student loan forgiveness program that I've actually never heard President Biden promising. Not when he was campaigning. I can't imagine that this is something he would ever do. I think as a fiscal policy, actually, it's a great policy, but I think that he is a moderate. He's an 80-year-old, 78-year-old moderate Democrat. And so um, the reality is, in order to get buy-in for that policy, my thought was that at the most, it would be 25000 I would be shocked if it would be more than that. And what made me nervous about that post was how many other people out there were making plans on policy that hadn't happened. So until it is an actual bill, an actual policy that's been signed and the ink has dried or executive order, it's not real. It is not real to you, to me, to anybody. It's not real. Please do not make financial decisions on policy that is not real. Pay off your debt. It doesn't matter how long it takes you to do this, by the way. I started paying off a massive amount of unsecured debt seriously in 2012. It has been a really slow and annoying process that has actually accelerated over time. The one truly amazing thing about this process that I still can't get over is the fact that the one year where I didn't need to be dealing with extreme financial distress or stress was 2020. Guess what year all of my slow debt repayment really came together, 2020. What I'm trying to say is I was able to really rest easily during 2020 because I didn't have all those bills coming in because I slowly committed to the process in 2012 and now I'm at the tail end. I still have student loans, <laughs> but I don't have 30 plus creditors that I'm trying to manage. I literally have basically three. I'm dealing with nobody and it's glorious. And so what I'm saying is if you're listening to this episode and you're like, Michelle, I got a mess. I understand. Start today. It does not have to be fast because sooner or later, what naturally happens is you'll speed up as you owe less. You'll just naturally speed up. It just is how it works. Know how to make money outside of your nine to five. I keep bringing this up as long as it's legal, by the way. <laughs> Total judgment free zone, by the way. So if you're gonna only fans it, if you're like, look, I have worked on my body and this is the thing I'm gonna do. Okay, it's not what I would do, but you know what? You have autonomy over your body. If you want to clean and you've got a master's degree, you know what? I love people who clean. Cleaning is a hard skill to do it well and you can make good money doing it. Whatever it is you wanna do, online, offline, whatever, understand how if something happened to your job, how you could pivot immediately and make money. Do you bake cakes? Do you make amazing enchiladas? Do you make burritos? Actually in Denver, you know, obviously with COVID things are a little different, but after every game, baseball, football, hockey, soccer, there would be people selling burritos. They'd sell out. They'd sell out, make good money. So my point is this, 
it doesn't matter what it is that you do, but if you can make money outside of your nine to five, you need to know what that skill is so that you could deploy it. I hate the fact that I just used that word deploy during an emergency, but it's, it's accurate. Financial opportunities happen even during the most difficult of times. However, you need to be prepared to recognize them, to serve others, to sell a service or good, to change your career. So I've had a number of opportunities in the past almost 12 months that really caught me off guard and I'm very excited about, but I also had to recognize that they were available to me and I was in preparation for them. It wasn't like overnight these opportunities were, were available to me. It was many years of preparing for that moment. So I would also say to you, be constantly improving yourself, preparing and keeping your eye out for those opportunities. We need a significantly larger emergency fund than previously thought. And Dave Ramsey is completely nuts for suggesting that $1,000 in an emergency fund is enough. I actually know of more than one person or someone's spouse who's been out of work since March of last year because their industry is gone. Their industry is gone, so they cannot make money. Believe people when they showed you who and how they are the first time. Last week, Texas was decimated by a snowpocalypse. I honestly am, I am from a cold weather state. I have never in my life seen what I saw coming out of Texas. Like I, I literally, I have trauma from it and I wasn't even there. I am worried about my friends who are there, people I don't know who are there. I am shocked by what I saw. But you know what I'm not shocked by? Ted Cruz, because I believed him the first time he showed me his face. And what I mean by that is when he didn't defend his wife when she was insulted, I believed his character. That that told me all I needed to know about him. So, so when he decided to go to Cancun and leave poor little Snowflake in that cold house, Snowflake is his little poodle. Snowflake has a cute jaunty scarf. When he decided to go to Cancun, go to the Ritz Carlton so that his family would be okay. And you guys with me, that's all I needed to know about him. In fact, I've actually been very fascinated in the past four years, how people excuse things because they just don't want to believe it. I'm like, just believe what people showed you the first time. If someone's bitchy, they're bitchy. If they're bitchy, but really nice, they're bitchy, but nice. Like you just don't have to think that hard. People are who they are. If they're selfish, they're selfish. If they think about themselves and not about you, that's how they are. They're not going to change. Ugh. Anyway, besides the trip being problematic on so many levels, what I, I need people to understand is I personally have taken a lot of notes over the past year <laughs> about what you guys have been up to. I've taken notes on statements that put down people for being poor or for making poor financial choices that you think are stupid or whatever's going on with you. If you say, if I could do it, so could you. I find it kind of patronizing and condescending, that statement. So I paid attention to that too. Why don't you just, why don't you just mind your own business? Okay. Why don't you just embracing policies that harm others because the perception is that it benefits you. Likewise, I've also noticed people's generosity, kindness, and support of others, willingness to open their home to others, willingness to educate other people, willingness to, to just be of service. And so I've noticed, I've taken notes and I'm being very serious. I'm, I know who you are <laughs> and I won't forget because I'm one of those people. I will not forget. 
Having a network of financial allies is priceless. Work on cultivating them now, not when an emergency occurs. You need financial allies all the time, especially as people of color. The reason, reason why is there are a lot of financial situations that are coming at us that we may not even realize are happening until someone else brings it up. One situation that, that's come up over and over again that I find very fascinating and really pisses me off is home valuations. As it is in 2021, 2020, African-American home ownership is at 45 to 46%. And a family, I want to say that was in California, had someone come in to do a valuation of their home. They put in $400,000 worth of renovations and, and that kind of thing. So this is California. Home prices are steep. They put in a lot of money to upgrade the home. And they were disturbed by the valuation that they got. So they actually decided to have a white friend pose as the owner. And when they did that, the white friend was able to get a $500,000 higher valuation for their property. So you have to have financial allies. If they didn't have that friend who could do something like that for them, they wouldn't have known what that difference could have been. They could have hired an actor, I'm sure, but you know what I mean? Just having people who are like, we've got your back. We're going to tell you about how to negotiate for a better wage. We're going to have conversations about wage transparency. We're going to talk about how we paid off our debts. We're going to talk about how we save money and invest for the future. So these are the conversations that you have to be having, but sometimes we don't know what we don't know. So you have to have a network of financial allies. I am saddened to say that there is a surprisingly large number of people out there who believe in the following mindset. If there is nothing in it for me, I don't want it for you. <laughs> and it's a, it's actually amazing how much of American financial policy is driven by this core belief, especially if you add race to that belief. There are a number of policies that would benefit everyone in the United States, but because people are committed to their racism, Americans can't have nice things, such as a variation of some sort of affordable health care. The fact that we are still dealing with what we're dealing with is just it's just so upsetting. It's so exhausting. A federal policy focused on leave. We don't have that. We don't we have an implied policy on vacation and that kind of thing, but there's no federal policy on vacation time. That doesn't even make sense. Makes no sense. Voting rights. This is huge. This is an interesting area to watch moving forward because we're about to see a significant number of voter suppression legislation that will be proposed moving forward. Ironically, this legislation, while it will suppress black votes, it'll also suppress white people's votes. It doesn't make sense. Makes no sense. So now that everyone's experienced mail-in, I've had mail-in voting six or seven years. I don't even know. It's been a while. I'm never going back. Because it's so easy to vote here, that's part of the reason why Colorado is my U.S. base of operations. Like there's certain reasons. It's not just because it's a beautiful state. That is actually a big deal to me is my the accessibility of uh, voting to me and mine and everyone else in the state. Voting in particular is something that you can't play games with this anymore. Okay. Buying avocado toast and expensive sparkling water from time to time is just fine. <laughs> In fact, I've realized that these small treats are the little things that make life enjoyable. They really are. Focus on 
digital, the tasks and jobs that are done online or using a platform to facilitate tasks and jobs online. Basically, all that's here to stay. That is not going anywhere. It's going to accelerate. So start learning how to use them now. Don't be left out of the loop. Using these platforms could also be learning how to utilize and strategize with social media, with podcasts, that kind of thing. What I find so interesting about the times we're in now is it's very easy to uplift and elevate your own personal platform and objectives, both a good and bad thing. But if you apply it to work, especially in the digital space, that could be very lucrative. What people do during times of strife shows everything about their character. And in the end, character always matters. I've learned that everyone is essential, necessary, and connected. Civic engagement matters. I am struck by how little people understand just civics. They don't understand how it works. They don't understand how voting works. They don't understand so many things that it actually blows my mind. And this lack of understanding is part of the reason why the democracy in the United States still remains at risk. Because you guys don't, you guys, all Americans, myself included, we do not understand enough about how civics work. Volunteer during the next election. Volunteer at a voter registration site. Really understand how voting works. Understand what gerrymandering is. Understand what these voter suppression laws are. Understand that the fact that when we had those significantly long lines where people were trying to vote 10 hours, standing in freaking line for 10 hours, that that is a policy decision. That's not because people were enthusiastic about voting. I actually had to record a podcast episode. I was compelled to do it because I actually have a lot of friends from overseas and they could not understand what was going on. And I had to explain to them, I was like, look, America knows how to set up systems that work. We do it in other countries. We also understand how to suppress voting. We know how to do both. So if you're seeing lines like that in those cities, that's voter suppression. In my state, there was one place, actually one place that had a line of 45 minutes. And in fact, I can tell you where it is. And I plan on following up on that one location with our secretary of state and asking if she's going to add an extra ballot drop box because we have such a good system in my state that we literally knew the one place with a long line because it doesn't exist. It doesn't happen here. And so I am going to follow up and be like, Jenna, her name's Jenna, the secretary of state. Jenna, are you Miss secretary of state? Jenna Griswold, are you going to add a new ballot box over there because it's strange to me that there was a there was a line. I'm pretty sure that they will because it's a bad look, especially where that line is lo was located. Get your passport. I talked about this earlier in uh, the year after the coup <laughs> coup attempt. There was a coup attempt. Okay, we had fascism. We still have fascism in the U.S. And so once the coup attempt happened, happened and we were dealing with fascism for the last couple of years, one of the biggest mistakes that I've made was letting my passport lapse. And what I'm going to say to you is the first thing you need to do after you finish listening to this episode is get in the process of uh, requesting your passport. You should always, always, always have a passport. Always. Period. End of story. Always have a passport. Always. Because if you need to go, 
you need your passport, get out. And that is just, we are in an extreme political destabilization situation in the U.S. I don't say this lightly. I actually have a master's in public administration. I have a bachelor's in political science. I love politics. I love seeing how things work in countries. And I'm telling you now that the U.S. is in a, a really problematic time. So what that means is you have to make some decisions and preparations. And then finally, do you have a let's get out of town plan? For me, it's a let's get out of the U.S. plan. I'm really serious. Now, I might have to enact this plan. I actually have always wanted to buy a place overseas before the last five years. So I've always wanted to spend some time overseas, specifically in Europe as my launch pad to go to other places. I love Europe. I have a lot of friends there. But this actually, what happened the last five years has changed what that purpose of that place is for me now, because the plan is different because of what I've seen. And it could be that I might have to leave the U.S. for a significant period of time, work abroad. I already work online because I don't trust that things are going to stabilize for quite a while. And so what is your plan B? What if you need to leave your state? It could be something as simple as that. So maybe your state actually has increasingly bad weather, but it's like crazy bad. And you're like, you know what? I can't keep rebuilding. This is too much. What's your plan? So this has been kind of a heavy episode, but I feel like it's important to share these lessons and observations. And I don't want people to be off guard in the future. I just don't. I don't want you to be off guard. Let me know if you have other lessons or observations, financial lessons that you would like to share that I missed.